Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Someone, hallelujah. All right, just celebrate someone to your left and to your right. It's good to see you. Give an honest compliment, no exaggeration. Hallelujah. All right, you may please be seated. Well, are you ready for the Word of God? Now, let me tell you this. You have to realize what a time to be alive we're witnessing. What a time. Every event in CCI is history in the making. You have to understand, you are part of something that God is doing, something special. I assure you, generations after us will tell the story. And I don't want you to retire with the thought that it was special and you didn't realize how special it was whilst you were at it. Because you see, you can be at the center of a mighty revival and not even reckon it to be so. So I'm here to announce to you, God is really moving in our midst. And you don't see it every day that a walk just 12 months old is thriving like what you're seeing around you. I want us to have the requisite gratitude this morning. Hallelujah. Right there on your seat, I want you to raise your right hand and say, great is the glory of God in our midst. Say, the Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Say it again. Say, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Say it again. Say, we are glad. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And now, you see, not only are we here for gratitude, I, I want to just help you see the picture of what is happening. You see, the spirit realm is so interesting. There can be a lot of activity around you and you don't even realize. One of my favorite stories in the Bible that depicts this is the story of Jacob. You know, just picking a stone to sleep because the environment seems serene, but in the realm of the spirit, it's very busy. A lot is going on. And then there was a ladder from the heavens touching the very place where he was sleeping. Angels ascending and descending. You can be sleeping in a busy spiritual environment. God can be doing a lot and you don't even recognize it. So I want to help you see how important this season is. So that you can plug into it accordingly. Come on, are you with me? And as I began to think of how to paint the picture to you, I thought of the most unusual example. I thought of Lion King. Yeah, I see we have fans here. You see, most probably my best cartoon as a child was Lion King. And for me, one of the most iconic scenes in that cartoon was the dedication of Simba, where someone lifted him up, you know, as a symbol of dedication. And what you might not have realized is that the cartoon started and ended the same way. At the beginning, it was the dedication of Simba. At the end, 
It was the dedication of Simba's son. Let me tell you this. That's such a powerful symbol of transition. And I want to tell you this. We must see such transitions in the body of Christ. We must. We must. We must think about the generation coming after us. We must desire that the world will prevail in their midst as it was with us. We must desire that they will do better than we are, we are doing right now. And we must desire to do better than those who were here before us. Transition is such an important subject in the body of Christ. But not many people are conscious of it. If you've been listening to me in the past two years, you will hear me say it time and again. We are at a very strategic and sensitive time in the body of Christ. Very strategic and sensitive. Believe it or not, in the Bible we see something similar to that iconic pose in Lion King. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, from verse 25, how that Joseph and Mary went to the temple with Jesus, who was but a child at the time, for his dedication. And there they met an elderly man named Simeon. Simeon had served God with his generation. But now Simeon was old. And like every man of God, though, I mean, you're still a man, you're going to die. And he was, he must have been interceding for the coming generation. And God gave him a prophetic word. He said, you will not die until you see the deliverer of Israel. And so every day in the temple, he was waiting, watching the entrance door, waiting for that child to walk in for dedication. And then finally, there was Jesus being carried by his parents. He charged towards Jesus, lifted him up. The Bible says, lifted him up and blessed the Lord. Hallelujah. That's such a powerful picture of transition. This elderly man is at the end of his life. But now he's celebrating the beginning of the life and the ministry of someone else. Let me tell you something. It is something very important. We must desire it. We must covet it. In the book of Judges, we see how important it is for God to raise a leader in every generation. It doesn't matter how great a revival is in your generation if key leaders of that revival should go. Everything can be swept under the rug. You have to understand that revival is not arbitrary. It's coming from somewhere. There are people who are custodians of revival. And so you see these children of Israel, there is a judge, and then the judge dies, and then they turn away from the ways of the Lord until another judge arises. And so every generation must watch for transitions, for the rise of another apostolic move in every generation. It's important. You know, I've said it time and again. Even what is happening with Celebration Church is not enough. As great as the revival is here, we can't do it alone. We must pray the Lord of the harvest to send more laborers. Are you listening to me? We must think of our generation. Well, that's why we're here. 
And so there are two major things to be thankful for on a day like this. You can already guess the first one. It is transition. Transition. God is doing something with Celebration Church. You've heard me say it in sermons. You've heard me say it in songs. Our generation is covered. Do you believe that? I want you to say that with me prophetically. Say, my generation is covered. Say it again prophetically. Say, my generation is covered. You see, sometimes you celebrate a vision not just because you like the vision, but because of what the vision represents. We occupy a very important place in the body of Christ. Listen, that's not to say we are indispensable. We are not. And God forbid if for some reason that will never exist, we stop doing what we are doing, God will surely raise other men. But guess what? It takes time even for God to raise men. It takes time. And so time will be wasted. Years will be wasted. And so you have to see the vacuum that Celebration Church feels. This is important. You must pray for this church. You must partner with this assignment. It's a lot going on. So we must thank God on a day like this for transitions. You know, in Port Harcourt, after a phenomenal camp meeting, glory to God, did you tune in? I had the pleasure and privilege to see one of the great men of God in that city. And he was asking me questions. So he said, tell me about your ministry. So somehow the conversation led to the fact that we had planted, do you realize, sometimes things are moving so fast you don't even realize. So I, I mean, sometimes when I'm telling it, it now, it now dawns on me. So I said, okay, in the past 12 months, we've planted five branches. He said, what? You know what he said? He said, who is bankrolling you? That's what he said. Pastor Shola was with me. He said, who is bankrolling you? He said, if what you're saying actually happened, it is either of two things. It is either there's some billionaire somewhere that we don't know about bankrolling you heavily or this is a move of God. That's what he said. Well, I wanted to say, sir, it can be both. <laughs> Hallelujah. I guess you're a billionaire. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But this is a move of God. Hallelujah. And we're here to return all the praise and thanks to God and to charge even further. This is a clarion call. God, God is counting on you for the generation that is coming after us. And then the second reason to be thankful, this one, I hope you discern how special it is. I would, I would just describe this in two parts. First and foremost, you have to see how what God is doing with this church is relevant to you. You need to understand it. Let me tell you something. You need to understand how important it is spiritually to be a part of a thriving church. That you were there when the word of God was released. And God said, we will go to this city. And we went. And the word grew and prevailed. And you saw it. You have to understand 
Listen, examples are a very important system of spiritual education. In the social system and natural system of education, we teach people in classrooms. In the realm of the spirit, we teach people by examples. You only need to see Jesus walking on water before that interest is kindled in you. Let me tell you something. Every miracle has the capacity to reproduce itself. So the fact that you are a part of a ministry thriving in the will of God makes it less likely for you to be lackadaisical in what God has asked you to do. And that, my friends, is a big deal. That you can see your pastor. You see, many times in the Bible, we are reminded that the people that God used are men like us. And you have to understand how important that is. That Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And so when God says to Elias, do this and do that, and he does it, he says something to you. It challenges you. This is a man like me. And so if Pastor Emmanuel Ren obeyed God, I can too. And God is raising in us an active army, a radical army. He's using what is happening corporately as a personal example. Say loud amen if you believe. You can't truly follow this ministry and be mediocre in your, in your work with God. You can't. You can't truly follow this ministry and a vision that God gave you will life follow. It's still in folder. It's still in brown envelope. You can't do that. Because it's an example. If Jesus is really walking on water, Peter ought to say, Lord, if that's you, ask me to come. And that's what the miracles in this ministry is doing to you. is drawing you out of your comfort zone. Drawing you out. Drawing you out. How can I be your spiritual leader and your mediocre? Who, where did you learn it? It's drawing you out. You can do it. You can obey God. Are you with me? And then the next point I want to give is very simple. You might not have even realized it. Let me tell you this. Every place your church has a new branch opens new possibilities to you. No land where your church exists is a strange land to you. Do you know how important that is? That today you can wake up, go to Abuja or go to Ibadan and go to Canada. And even if you don't know anybody, at least you can go to church. And just because of that, there are several meaningful connections. Do you know just because you have family there, you are more likely to obey the prompting of God for business expansion or anything in that city. Just, just, just your church's obedience. I can go on and give you so many, so many. We have a lot to be thankful for. We have to understand how important what God is doing is. And that's why we want to go back to the basics as often as possible to remind ourselves while we're here so we don't get carried away. What is all this about? What is God doing? How can we stay focused? Where are we going? 
because I assure you we've just started. Turn your Bibles, Matthew 28, 19. I know you know it. Open it. Matthew 28, 19. The text popularly known as the Great Commission. Jesus talking. He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Everybody, Matthew 28, 19, read together, one, two, go. Now, this is so powerful, it's loaded with keywords. I mean, I literally have a sermon titled, Go. That's how instructive that single word is, that two-letter word is. So this is loaded with key words. For instance, when it says go, you see, many people who claim to follow Jesus have not gone. I mean, we can spend all day on this. Help me look to the person by your side as politely as possible and say, have you gone? You see, I'm glad you're in church this morning, but you have to understand there can be a lot of activity in your life and very little spirituality. God has asked you to go. Meaning if we look at your life, there must be an active evangelical endeavor. You must be contributing to this great commission one way or another. In the minutest of ways, even if it's talking to someone about Jesus as often as you can or putting it on your social media, you know, or, or whatever it is. He said, go. You can sing nice songs in worship about how much you love Jesus. Guess what? If you are not going, you are not loving. Because this is one thing he's passionate about. He's crying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? So if you love him, you'll go. You can sing nice songs and say a thousand tongues won't be enough. It's good, it's true. But use one, use one. The one you have, try. If you're not using the one you have, if you had ten... You still won't use it. Go. Tell someone about Jesus. Another key word here is the simple word teach. It says teach all nations. Let me tell you something. Every evangelical ministry is fundamentally a teaching ministry. Because you see, the gospel is literally good news. It's information. You must have the right information. And so it says teach all nations. We are to teach. And this is so important. Next, he says, make disciples. This is also very important. Let me tell you something, and I want to say this respectfully. Many Christians today don't know what that means. He said, make disciples, not fans. Listen, I like that you like Celebration Church, but that's not what this is about. Maybe you even like me like my family or love my family. But listen, he said for us to make disciples. You could be a fan, but are you a disciple? 
The word translated disciples means student. Are you a student in this ministry? Are you really learning? Are you taking notes? As I'm talking now, are you taking notes? That's how to be a student. How regularly do you show up? Can I tell you something? You're not a student in this ministry if you only show up during special programs. Or when Pastor Emmanuel Ren is coming. The concept of being a student means you submit yourself to a curriculum. There must be a consistency to it. You have to show up often. Show up often. Most of us in our schooling system, you are there 8 a.m. And you are there until 4 p.m. And you dare not be late. Otherwise, bulala, you know what I'm saying? Why are you, you, why are you quiet? Did you school abroad? <laughs> they don't flog you. <laughs> if you were ever late and they flogged you in a memorable way, wave at me. Wave to Jesus. Hey, I wanted to be sure I'm in the right country. <laughs> That's one form of abuse no one is talking about. They will beat you Hallelujah. But listen, the, the, listen, the dedication you gave to your secular education is a witness against you. <laughs> if you are not serious with your work with God, it's a witness against you. Because God knows that you can be committed to engineering and come out with a two-one. He knows. So your result is testament to how committed you can be. Therefore, if you are not serious in your work with God, you are without excuse. Hallelujah. If you have ever had any distinction in your life, because some of you are like, I know, I know Kuku pass. <laughs> so I want to clarify. <laughs> So we were like, ah, yeah, a cuckoo thought class. <laughs> so, so I want to clarify. <laughs> Be it Yoruba or English or even in primary school, <laughs> if you've ever had anything close to a distinction, even a credit, it is testament to the fact that you can do better in your work with God. So are we on the same page now? <laughs> Hallelujah. So like I said, many keywords here. Go, teach, make disciples. Listen, are you a disciple? But now there is a word that stands out to me as a key word. You're not going to see this coming. You know what the word is? It's therefore. The fact that it says, go ye therefore, is so instructive. It's so instructive to me. And you know how a theologian put it? He said, anywhere you read in your Bible, the word therefore, you need to find out what it is therefore. Adip, Abhi. Invite your friends to church. I, they preach. Anyway. <laughs> now, pay attention. Seriously now. If someone wrote you a letter, and
and you just open the letter and it starts with, therefore. <laughs> You're going to be like, what did I miss? Because no one starts a conversation with therefore. So, but somehow, when we want to talk about the Great Commission, we go straight to verse 19 of Matthew 28. And verse 19 says, go ye therefore, meaning it's a continuation of a conversation. Don't run off with verse 19. Verse 19 is predicated on something important. And so we need to go to the previous verses where Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Listen, you are not ready to go until you understand that. That's where you begin. You have to understand the force that backs us up. You have to understand who sent us and the power that backs us up. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He says, go therefore. I matom kabaya. You have to understand our marching order. You need to know who sent us. Before he sent us, he told us his power. He told us his authority. He said, all authority. You know what he was trying to tell you? He was trying to tell you, when you go, know that you cannot be stopped. Amen. When you go, know that you cannot be resisted. No wonder doors open to us the way they do. No wonder demons are expelled the way they are. Because, the, because of the one who sent us and the power that backs us up. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given unto me. Go. So you see, the great commission is predicated on the power of the risen Christ. Never forget it. Listen, there is a way to evangelize. There is a mindset of evangelism. And it begins with who sent us. It begins with who he is. What he has done. The Bible says, wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name Jesus, every knee should bow. That is who sent us. And that is the name in which we preach. That is the name in which we do what we do. It's important. Before you go, think of the therefore. Think of who sent you. Come on, are you with me? Preach like you have been given authority. Preach like the gospel is powerful. Like it's the message of a risen savior. That you can't separate the message from the authority. Preach like Jesus won. Like death lost. Preach it like it is radical. If it is not radical, you have it wrong. I'll never forget, you know, sometimes I just have, you, some of you might have heard me say this, I have unusual memories. I can tell you all that happened on my fifth birthday. I don't know why. I, I just don't know why. It's just there. Including the time Nepa took light. Nepa took light about 2 p.m. I still haven't forgiven them on my birthday. Did they not know that something special was happening? You know, and all of that. I said that to say this. When I was in primary five, I remember 
after class one day. They told us we were having curricular activities and they were going to divide us into groups. Red Cross, Jet Club or something like that. And they said, choose. You see, many Christians act as if Christianity is an extracurricular activity. As if it's an option. We think the great commission is the great option. That you may or may not, well, your truth, my truth, I believe Jesus is the way, shall. I'm not trying to disturb you. But listen, he said, make disciples of all nations. Listen, you have to understand this. This is beautiful. First and foremost, he says, all authority is given unto me. There's a reason why all authority was given. It is so that we can preach the gospel to all nations. Are you getting what I'm saying? All of the authority is so that we can reach all of the nations. Not some. And guess what? Guess what? We don't measure the size of this local assembly by the size of other churches. We measure it by the size of the city. Did you hear what I said? Because listen, we are trying to win all souls. Scratch, scratch that, scratch that. We are going to win all souls. He says all nations. The one who sent us said all nations. So we are going for all. We are going for all. Come on, I said we are going for all. If you understand the worth of a soul, you know that even one person left in the city is a great loss. It's a great loss. This is not like business. That, oh, well, I lost a million, but I still have a billion. This is souls. Even one must not be spared. Listen, we're not giving the devil a foothold in this city. Hallelujah. Every nook and cranny will be flooded with light. Say loud, amen. amen. All nations. We will spend and be spent our resources and our energy until it's done. Come on, are you with me? So that's important. And let me tell you something. A lot of churches, respectfully, don't have this mindset. Think about it. The move of the gospel in the world started with 11 people. And those 11 people did not have the internet. They didn't have websites. You know, I said in Portacot, do you know how privileged it is? How great a privilege it is that this sermon, you can listen to it again. In the days of Jesus, you just go home saying, ah, if you heard that sermon, if you heard that sermon, you know, but you can't relieve it. But you can trap spiritual experiences through technology and relieve it again and again. Ah, the impact of this generation, it should, it, it should be exponentially greater. Can I tell you what I believe with all my heart? I believe that if every Christian understands what I'm teaching, we will evangelize the world in 15 years. It won't take us more than 15 years. I believe it with all my heart. Don't let anyone fool you. It's possible. It can be done. You have to understand, 
Now, that's what makes Celebration Church different. In case you are just joining, this is why in nine years, we've been able to cover what we are covering right now. And we're just starting. Because it's not really about how many months. It's about the training. It's about the conditioning. It's about the mindsets. The title of this sermon is Radical Church. Don't worry, that doesn't mean I'm just starting. <laughs> Hallelujah. Radical Church. God is my witness. I don't want just a mammoth crowd that is not active. And don't get me wrong, I'm happy you're here. You come once in a while, or maybe you've been coming for a while. You don't even know how we do what we do. You know there should be workers in this church. You don't know who they are. Maybe it's angels that set up this thing. You're not involved. That's not how to be a Christian. And it is one of my biggest ambitions to make sure every member of this church is committed to the gospel of Christ. We must be radical. And being radical is only seeming radical in this age because not many people are. That's the only way to be Christian. Come on, are you with me? What does it mean to be radical or revolutionary since it's revolutionary church? To be revolutionary means to be radically different and beyond established procedure. That's what it means. Radically different and beyond established procedure. Can you say radically different and beyond established procedure? Let me tell you something. Some of you have witnessed it. That's the testimony of this ministry. You know, I was up there listening to the panel. Were you blessed by that panel? And someone said she saw a Christian who was so excited and passionate about the gospel. And we get that report about Celebration Church. It gladdens my heart. That's how it ought to be. That's how I want every one of you to be. You know, someone said something. She said, anywhere you see someone passionate about the gospel online, check. He said 90% of the time, the person is a member of Celebration Church. The person who said it is not a member of our church. It's just her personal observation. Ah, just imagine how I felt as a pastor scrolling and seeing that. It did me, you know. <laughs> That's real success in ministry. Hallelujah. Radically different beyond established procedure. <laughs> that describes Jesus' ministry. Jesus was radically different. He was beyond established procedure. Jesus' teaching ministry was revolutionary. You know, sometimes you are reading Matthew chapter 5 and you see it as cute to-do lists. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Oh, that's cute. Jesus is so gentle. Let me tell you something. Has it ever happened to you in communication? Maybe you text something to someone and they misunderstand the tone with which you, you texted. So sometimes you are not angry, they think you are angry. Sometimes you are excited, they don't know you are excited. Because um, 
you, it's very hard to discern the mood of the person from the text. And not everybody is a good communicator when it comes to writing, right? That's the exact thing that happens when many people read the Beatitudes. They don't really get how powerful and radical and revolutionary it was. The thing is just cute points to put on your doorpost. <sighs> but guess what? When Jesus was done in Matthew 7, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says people were astonished because he taught as someone who had authority, not like the scribes and Pharisees. They had never heard such a revolutionary teaching before. This was, he preached with the audacity of a prophet. Who is this guy? No one has spoken like this before. Why is he so bold? He preached like one having authority. So you have to understand when he says, go therefore, he's telling you what he did. That's the part and that's how to preach. Matthew 7, 29. Matthew 7, 29. For he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. That was a salient observation people made about that preaching. So what is it about the Beatitudes that we don't really understand? Let me first and foremost tell you this. Moses, who was a radical prophet himself. I mean, it's radical to part the Red Sea and lead three million people, you know, in the wilderness. But then he told them in Deuteronomy 18 verse 15. He told the children of Israel this. Deuteronomy 18 verse 15. What someone called dethrone your enemy. Everything is warfare for some people. He says, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee. Of thy brethren like unto me. He says, unto him shall ye, unto him shall ye hearken. So Moses prophesied. That a great prophet is going to come from the Jews. He prophesied. And I wish I could tell you systematically how I know this. But that great prophet was Jesus. There were many other prophets, but this particular prophecy was a prophecy about the Christ. And providentially, there are several striking similarities between Moses and Jesus. Those of you who were um, with me three years ago at Manifest Bible Course, I taught on this. Providentially, first and foremost, you realize when Moses was born, there was a genocide, a massacre. Every child two years and under was killed. But Moses' life was spared. Remember that? You're aware that happened at Jesus' time also. That's number one. Number two, the story of Moses actually begins with Joseph. Who had a dream? The dream landed him in Egypt. <laughs> All right. The children of Israel joined him in Egypt. And then what happens? The Exodus. They find themselves in the wilderness of sin and then on Mount Sinai. When you look at the story of Jesus, you see a similar pattern as if God was retelling the story again. Jesus' story also begins with a Joseph having a dream. His father's name was Joseph. And his father dreamt. And in the dream, God told him to flee with his son. So they fled to where? So they fled to Egypt. And then when Jesus came back, grew up, the Bible says he was led 
into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Just like the children of Israel were tempted, or, or I mean, had the opportunities to obey God in the wilderness of sin, but failed. Jesus, thankfully, he passed all the three tests. And so you have to understand first and foremost how significant it was that Jesus climbed that mountain to preach the sermon we now call the Beatitudes. It was like another Mount Sinai. What happened on Mount Sinai? The receiving of the law, right? And now on this mount, Jesus is explaining the law. And he's saying it with the authority that Moses said it, even greater. And he said, you have heard that it has been said, but I say unto you, how can a 30-year-old man have this much authority, have this much audacity? You are challenging the dogma of your day. You have heard that it has been said, but I say unto you, what audacity is this? It was a groundbreaking sermon. He must have prepared for that sermon for years. Do you know what it means to know you are the son of God at 12 and have to wait till you are 30? So that sermon, you know, like it's finally time. He, pre he used 20 years to prepare. <laughs> no wonder they say, wow, we never, <laughs> you know, he was waiting. Glory to God. You have heard that it has been said by our ancestors. You must not murder. You must not commit murder. But I say unto you, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. You have heard that it has been said by our ancestors, you shall not break a vow. But I say unto you, make no vow at all. Boldly. Listen, this is the kind of boldness. Why am I teaching you this? Because this is the kind of boldness God wants Celebration Church to have. There are age-long dogma that we will change. Say loud, amen. amen. This is a brave church, bold church. We're not just playing our part in one corner. Every plant that our heavenly father has not planted shall be rooted out. Say loud, amen, if you believe. Amen. That's why we're here. the impact that we seek. Jesus is proof that if you do it right, in three years you can change a lot. In three years. So we are celebrating the first year anniversary. What about the next two years? I mean, see all men coming to the message of the gospel on account of this branch. You must dream it in your hearts. That's the dream. That's the plan. So just two quick lessons from this. You must have that sense of authority because the one who sent us, you know, has all authority. So carry that sense of authority. Let no one despise your youth, Paul said to Timothy. Hallelujah. It was last reboot camp. I said in a sermon, I said, you must never, you know, even think of me as a young preacher anymore. I don't know where we got all those. Even by definition, Jesus was 30. Do you understand? So anyone older than me is old. 
I'm the normal age. That mentality is important. We are not young. We have work to do. You have to understand, I don't know what picture, you, all those Jesus movies, the Jesus they used to, you, they used to use, you, they, I mean, that guy is close to 50. Jesus looked like me. I'm telling you. So you have to picture it, you see. We're responsible. God is counting on us. We have no excuse. We're not too young. We have all the resources. And we must preach with a sense of authority and with a sense of responsibility. Let me tell you this. Let me say this prophetically. You see, just like Jesus, he didn't identify with the Pharisees or with the Sadducees because of the peculiarity of what God was going to achieve through him. God separated him. And some of you, that's the reason why you are so frustrated. You don't know why your rich uncle won't help you. God is building a name for himself with your life so that they won't say, I made Abraham rich. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. You know, I kept wondering uh, at the advent of this ministry, why somehow I was just always isolated. I don't know why, you know. <laughs> I just never really had that experience. People especially openly, we say, you know, we like you, we like what you're doing. But I didn't really have so much opportunity to identify like that. I tried many times. It ended in tears. But the Lord was building my mentality. Listen, there are some people who are itinerant ministers, and so, I mean, they go and, in fact, some people even ask me, sorry, when can I come and preach? I don't understand how people do that. But God was building in me the mentality of an apostle. Can I tell you something? An apostolic ministry is somewhat a self-sufficient ministry. In that ministry is an evangelical ministry. It's a pastoral ministry. We don't have to look outside. Don't worry if you don't understand what I'm saying. God was planning right from when. So, in fact, there was one guy who did something funny. I've forgiven him, you know. It was almost an intentional attempt to spite me. So they had this conference in the service unit in school. He invited every, spirit, every spiritual leader on campus to minister except me. So all my sons, you know, Pastor Maiwa, of course, they were students of, in, in that same school. Pastor Maiwa, Pastor Mike, they ministered, you know. <laughs> and guess what I did? I attended all the sessions. I took notes. Because the Lord had told me, Hey, Matom, Rekasekaya. Before my time, if you wanted to address the entire school, you needed a service unit platform. But God told me, he said, your meetings will draw a larger crowd. He told me that, and it happened. Those of you who followed our history know what I'm saying, right? All of you are newbies. Okay. So, sometimes God separates you so that you won't have to worry about too much relationship when you want to say what you want to say. You know, if you make too many friends, you can't say. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Hallelujah. This is a radical ministry with a radical message. So when the king of Sodom tries to give you money, just say, no. Lest you say you made Abraham rich. God is preserving your testimony 
preserving you. So if you try to collaborate too much and it's not working, I'm telling you why. Are you listening to me? This is not for everybody, but for those of you, some of you, I mean, you, you know this is spot on. Sense of spiritual authority, and then finally as a round of sense of responsibility. For the opting time in this ministry, I want to let you know that your revelation of salvation must not end with John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, it says, He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But then there is a responsibility that that bestows on you. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And that He died for all. That those who live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto Him who died for them and rose again. So you see, you don't stop at John 3.16, God so loved the world. Oh, thank God He loves me. Then some people lie in their songs. I don't know what to give you. That's, that's a lie. You know. Give Him your lifetime. Give Him your energy. Commit your life to His cause. And that He died for all. That seems to be a continuation of John 3.16. John 3.16 tells you He died. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And that He died so that those who live should not henceforth live unto themselves. As I would often say, you must come to a henceforth moment in your life. A definite time in your life where you said, I'll no longer live for myself. Gone are the days you just say, you know what, what is everybody doing? Okay, jackpot is the plan. You know, but now, you want to first ask God, what is your plan for my life? Would you have me here? Would you have me go? What would you have me do? Where would you have me be? Those are the conversations of a mature believer. Because you have a responsibility. And so what we know in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you know, a lot of people think it's talking about salvation and they're not entirely wrong, but it's actually talking about ministry. Don't forget, verse 15 says that you should henceforth not live unto yourself. Verse 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? All things are what? Behold, all things are what? Now, what are the things that are passed away? Did he say your old sinful life? No, not exactly. He says, and all things are of God who has reconciled you unto himself and given you ministry of reconciliation. So what is new in your life? You have a ministry. You have a sense of responsibility. You are not the same casual, lackadaisical person you, had, you, you were before. There is a value to your life. There is a sense of urgency to your life. I have a ministry of reconciliation. And this is how powerful that ministry is. He said to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. He says, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Oh my God. Is your Bible open? Open your Bible, 2 Corinthians 5.19. I don't want to rush this. This is so powerful and radical and life-changing. Are you in 2 Corinthians 5.19? Read it together, one, two, go.
Now, let me ask you this, just to be sure you're following the thought. Where is God now? In you, right? Where was God, according to this text? Where was? In Christ. So, God was in Christ reconciling. But now, He's in us doing what? Announcing reconciliation. So, what this text is telling you is that you have the same ministry of Jesus at a different phase. God was in Christ providing reconciliation. God is in you announcing reconciliation. Jesus did it, you must tell it. So you have to understand, you are as responsible to the salvation plan as Jesus was. You are a part of the plan. God was in Christ providing reconciliation, providing salvation. Now, he's in you for the announcement of salvation. He said, you shall be witnesses unto him. The announcements. So in a sense, we continue where Christ stopped. And that's, see, so Paul is explaining his mindset. That's why in verse 20, oh my goodness. In verse 20. So now, read verse 20 together and it will make more sense to you. Read verse 20 together, one to go. Listen, oh my God, what a mentality of Christianity. In fact, the word Christianity, in a sense, minimizes our role. He didn't say, he said, in Christ's stead. What a mindset. We pray you in Christ's stead. So if God was in Christ reconciling and God is in us announcing, he says, now then, Meaning, if that is true, we are ambassadors for Christ. It says, as though God doth beseech you by us. Meaning, everywhere I go, it is God's opportunity to beseech people by me. That's my mindset. That everyone God should have touched, he finally has the opportunity to touch them when I show up. If you have this mindset anyway, I'm going to pick on, don't forget, I'm going to pick on this at Reboot Camp. It will change your life. All right? Just remember, this is one of the biggest secrets of my charismatic ministry. But we'll touch on this. It says, we pray you in Christ's stead. Imagine you had that sense of responsibility. What are the priorities of Christ today? They must be my priorities since I'm in Christ's stead. It's that simple. I'm radical. We are a revolutionary church. We are here to make a difference. So now we are beseeching this city in Christ's dead. Be reconciled. We continue where Christ stopped. With the force and the power of Christ. We want to see souls saved. We have an athletic commitment to the saving of souls. Hallelujah. And here are simple things you can do. First and foremost... You have to be committed. You see, if you've been coming and you've been blessed, my simple word to you is this. Stay. Grow. Assimilate yourself into the system. Join a service unit. 
Be a part of what God is doing. Tell someone about what God is doing. Assimilate yourself. Listen to the sermons. Digest them. Be blessed by them. You see, all over the world, people are literally praying for celebration church branches. Literally. Just last month, thereabouts, someone gave us a piece of land, you know, in Abiyakuta. Come and plant a church. So, so now don't say you have any excuse. Stick. I was just like, oh God, you get what I say? So listen, we want to we want to speed up the discipleship process. We need more people to send out. People are crying. Are you listening to me? So don't be in the city where there is a branch and take it lightly. Assimilate yourself. And then here is something else you must also do. You must give to this work. Let me tell you, I've said this many times and it's true. Celebration Church, in Celebration Church, it's very easy to see where the money is going. Very easy. Very easy. I think it was last week or upper week I said this on the mainland. I said, if we wanted to do just one branch, it will cost us less money. I hope you are aware. And we'll just be beautifying the branch. We'll break the roof, make it higher. We'll model Tower of Babel so that the, it will be touching the sky. It costs a lot more to do what we are doing. This is an evangelical ministry saying, you know what? Let's spread the work. Let's, let there be more branches. More branches means more equipment. And I tell you in the name of Jesus, especially in this economy, equipments are expensive. But we move. Did you hear what I said? I said we what? This year we've done, I don't even want to give an estimate of what we've spent on equipment. And it is not, we're not even trying to be sophisticated. Look at this hall. I told you some time ago, I said these speakers, these, these five, those five ones, we bought them 10 million. I told you, right? Minus the subs. The hunger, I don't know why they didn't use it today. The hangar, the, what's it called? A-line truss to hold it is four million. And we need it. And guess what? We don't have enough. The reason why you're hearing echoes, you know, I was smiling when P.D. Watson was singing and was doing like this. We'll buy more speaker, don't worry. <laughs> you put your money where your faith is. It's not by singing, Lord, you are more precious than silver. Prove it. Prove it. So that angels will not be looking at you like, Onira, more precious than. Let offering time confess. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, we really can do more, and we will. Did you, did you hear what I said? With excellence, with boldness. Glory to God. You know, I went for, just to celebrate the great man of God. See, people are cheering us on. 
people are excited for us. You know, this man of God had been praying for ministries like ours, balanced, you know, in the preaching of the gospel, the miracles. So when he saw me at that party, he couldn't help it. It was very weird. He just held me, gave me a peck. I was just like, he said, I want to thank you for what you represent. Hallelujah. And we've just started. Are you in the number? Can God count on you? Listen, maybe you are new to this type of preaching. You are used to hearing teachings on, you know, God's going to give you a new car. God's going to give you. In this church, those ones come by the way. We have reckoned if you focus on your focus, those things, you'll become the focus of those things. They will start pursuing you. You know, I learned something earlier this year. You will never hear me mention a need on stage again. Because some of you, you must not hear past on it, even if I'm joking. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and that's how God takes care of us. So listen, what if you knew that God has already taken care of all your material needs? What will you then do? Focus. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you. I want you to invest your life in this assignment and watch God change this city on your account. Are you ready? Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.